Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60 as we continue through the Old Testament. But the title of the message tonight is Arise and Shine. Arise and Shine. And most of the messages, the titles, I get from the passage that we're going to read from. And so again, it begins with Arise and Shine. So Isaiah 59 ended with the promise of the coming Redeemer. Chapter 60 here starts with a presentation of the Redeemer. Isaiah was so sure that the Messiah would come that he writes in the present tense as if it had already happened. And you know, when God speaks, you can count on it happening. It's not a maybe, it's not a hope so, it's a going to be. And so we can count on it. And that's the way Isaiah writes here about the future coming of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, the Messiah. That again, he's writing it as if it's already happened. And as we read these promises, we are looking forward to that day. We're looking to the fulfillment of those promises that God has made. Here's the thing, though, as we know, we have to wait patiently for God's perfect timing. He controls all things. He controls history. And he weaves together all of our lives into his plan. So let's begin with verse 1 of chapter 60. And it begins, Arise, shine. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Isaiah's yet future presentation of the new Jerusalem opens with Isaiah's double command. Followed by the announcement that the long awaited light has come. His first word in verse 1 here is arise. It's directed to Zion or Jerusalem. The word shine is speaking of Zion or Jerusalem the receiver of God's light and the reflector of it, just as we believers in Christ are to be reflectors of the light of Christ. Isaiah's prophecies often emphasize the contrast between light and darkness to symbolize the contrast between eternal life and death and salvation and judgment. Arise, that means stand up, shine, become radiant. So we should be standing up for Christ. We should be radiant for the Lord. Light has come. And the splendor and the magnificence and the glory of Christ, uh, again, of the eternal God, has written, uh, risen upon us. Jerusalem is pictured as a female captive slave lying in mourning on the ground. And now she hears this divine call to transformed happiness. Arise, get up. And the Hebrew word for glory has reference to God manifesting himself, displaying himself. God has come in his transforming power and grace, and with him comes beauty and blessing. Look at verse 2. Isaiah says, behold the, before, uh, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Isaiah says, other nations are going to be covered by darkness, but on you, the light of the Lord will shine. The brightness of his presence will be with you. You know, just like it was when during the exodus from Egypt. Remember, darkness is on the wicked while God's light is on his people. Deep darkness in other places of the Bible describes a cloud surrounding the glory of God and serves as a warning of his coming judgment. The Lord Jesus is the light of the world. And that was one of the things he said about himself when he was here. When he comes to the earth the second time, he is the light. 
He is the light. And the coming of the light is necessary because of the night that we're in of spiritual darkness that has covered the earth. And it covers the earth today. We are living in dark times in this world. And even though the gospel has been preached for over 2,000 years, there's more darkness today than we've ever seen before. Light has to come first before the future blessings come. Righteousness has to rise first to bring in the millennial kingdom that day, the millennial day. It takes the light to bring in the millennium. And who is the light? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the light of life, the scripture says. He's the light of men. And we need his presence in Jerusalem, and he's going to bring the Gentiles from far away. Look at verse 3 now. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Isaiah says, nations are going to be drawn to his light, to your light, and to the kings, and kings to the dawning of the new day. The word Gentiles here is translated nations in chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. You know, it's just like, you know, when you, you know, at night, bugs, how, they, how they're drawn to the light. So will nations gather around Jerusalem's, Jerusalem's light, and kings are going to be attracted by Jerusalem's glory. The purpose of light is to shine, and when it shines, it attracts. And God's people are to display God's presence to the world. You know, where, where this is done... You know, for those that are suffering in darkness, so they will come together in hope and expectation of that light. We are to be an influence in this world of darkness and evil. And right now, believe it or not, there is a Christian influence. You and I are that Christian influence. And it's the only thing that is holding back today, not just us, but all believers. Our presence is holding back this full force of evil. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.13, Paul said, Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. And we're seeing that today. If it wasn't for the Christian influence in this world, even as weak as it is, just like Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia, you have a little strength. Even as weak as the influence of the church is, when that's taken away, Imagine how the world's going to be thrown into every kind of filth and immorality and perversion. The whole world is just going to go down quickly, right down to the pit. But there will be those who will come wanting the light when they see God is working again in Israel. So all nations will come to your light, Isaiah says. Mighty kings are going to come to see your glory. And he said in verse 3, the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So here in verses 2 and 3, Isaiah uses the image of a city to describe the people of God in verse 14. But his message is spiritual. And the New Testament tells us that salvation through Christ, through Christ, we've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God in heavenly Jerusalem. We have joined a spiritual community that will remake the world. And Isaiah 60 has nothing to do with the city of Jerusalem in the modern Israel of today. What 60 is talking about, chapter 60 here is talking about, has nothing to do with Israel today. It is still future. It has to do with the new Jerusalem that the whole world will become, according to Revelation chapter 21. Right now, 
Our miserable world is being overpowered by heavy darkness. The heavy darkness of evil and unbelief. But God will arise and his glory is going to be seen one day. Now, where will it be seen? Isaiah says to us, his glory will be seen upon you and nations shall come to your light. And remember, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, to let your light shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works. The world will be brightened by the glory of God in the church. When God makes his presence known among us and we get rid of all the worthless, you know, religiousness compared to his superior worth, worldly people will sense the change and are drawn willingly to God. God's glory alone is what makes us powerful. Isaiah can see multitudes of people from all over the world making their way into the church. The whole world on a pilgrimage to honor the church. Verse 4. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar and your daughter shall be nursed at your side. Isaiah says, look around. Look around you. Look at what's happening, he says. Your people are gathering to come home. And your sons will come from far away and your daughters are going to be carried like children. Rebellious and scattered. God's people, they're going to come back to the land of promise. But they're going to come in obedience to God. And the women who are weaker than men are carried like women in the east who often carried their children on their hips. So the people of Israel, they're returning. Why? Because they hear that God is working there. Verse 5. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy. Why? Notice, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, and the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Isaiah says, you'll see this, and you're going to be filled with joy. You're going to tremble with excitement. The wealth of the nations will be brought to you from across the sea, and the riches are going to come to you. Here you see the great movement of all people heading towards Jerusalem by land and by sea and by air, which will be an amazing time. And remember, this is still yet future. God, Isaiah is prophesying about this time that will come. Now, God hasn't made himself known in many religions. All right, because you see, God, God isn't found in religion. He's found through Jesus Christ alone. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Religion is man's attempt to point you to God. Jesus is God. Isaiah, sees what the, what they, Isaiah is seeing what they suggest. It means there's only one community or society or culture of salvation in the world. And that's the church, the church of Jesus Christ. And he's saying that the glory of Christ is going to bring the human race back together. The church won't be persecuted anymore one day. The world won't be aggressive and hostile anymore. Won't that be nice? The church will be, hurt, will be the head of the world. No more false inferiority or superiority. We will be at our best in Christ. The world will hurry to be a part of that. And they won't come empty-handed as verse 6 tells us. Notice, the multitude of camels shall cover your land... The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. 
Isaiah says, in that future time, great caravans of camels will come from Midia and Ephah. They're going to come from Sheba, bringing gold and incense. People are going to tell the good news of what the Lord has done. Camels, they're animals of burden. Notice it says they're going to be carrying gold and incense. Midian was, a famous, was famous as a caravan leader and trader, and Ephah was one of Midian's sons. Now, the reference to Sheba is famous for its wealth. And it says they're going to proclaim the praises. Notice, the nations wouldn't bring just their wealth. But along with their gifts, they're going to tell the world publicly and by mouth, one-to-one, the acknowledgement. They're going to acknowledge the wonder of God. Wise men will come again. But not just from the east, but from all over the world, Isaiah says. They're going to come with gifts, notice what it says, of gold and incense for the Redeemer. Why was there no myrrh? Remember what the wise men brought brought Jesus, his birth, gold, incense, and myrrh? Because you see, myrrh spoke of Jesus' death at his first coming. At his second coming, they don't bring any myrrh. I mean, what a great verse this is. How prophetic. The places mentioned here belong to little-known tribes in the Arabian desert, hundreds of miles from Israel. But all people would come to Jerusalem because God would be living there, and they'd be drawn to his light like moths to a flame. You know, it can be and is discouraging today when you look around and you see what's going on, and especially when you don't see a lot of people turning to God. But one day, people all over the world will recognize him as the one true God. Verse 7. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Nebioth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Isaiah says, all the sheep of Kedar and Naboth will be brought to you, God, as sacrifices and offered on the altar, your altar, to please you, the Lord. The Lord will make his temple more glorious than it ever was before. We see Jesus coming back. The Jews are being gathered in Israel and people are coming from the desert areas. We also see uh, sheep and rams being sacrificed on his altar. In Ezekiel chapter 40 through 44, we read in the kingdom age... When Jesus rules and reigns on this earth, we read that temple sacrifices will be reinstituted. Why? Probably to to serve as a reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. that that, That he made kingdom life possible. Remembering that he was slaughtered, he was crucified for our sins. Remembering that will cause us to worship and praise him even more. Verse 8. Who are these who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roosts? Many Bible teachers see this as a reference uh, to the way that Israel will come back, will get back home. The Jews Jews will be going back to their land, gathered together from all parts of the world. And and Isaiah says they will fly like a cloud and like doves. Verse 9. Surely the coastlands shall wait for me and the ships of Tarshish will come first. To bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, to the name of the Lord your God and to the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. So Isaiah says their ships are coming from faraway lands. 
They're bringing God's people home. They're bringing silver and gold with them to honor the name of the Lord, the holy God of Israel, who has made all nations honor his people. The reference to the ships of Tarshish refers to the wealth of King Solomon. Still talking about the return of the Jews in the kingdom age, we read that they are going to bring treasure with them. Remember in Exodus, when the Jews were finally freed from the bondage of Egypt? The Egyptians gave the Jews valuable items. So when the Jews come back the second time, they are also going to bring with them silver and gold. And it seems that Tarshish refers to all sea-traveling nations whose ships will be used to return Israel to the land of promise. The nations who once destroyed Israel will help in restoring her. Verse 10. The sons of foreigners shall build, upon, shall build up your walls and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have mercy on you. The Lord says to Jerusalem here, foreigners are going to rebuild your walls and their kings are going to serve you. He says, notice, in my anger I punished you, but now I will show you my favor and my mercy. Foreigners like King Hiram and the king of Tyre, helped build the first temple. Today, Gentiles are building up the church, which is the temple of the Lord. And at one time, foreigners had destroyed the city. But Isaiah says, in that day, in that future day, foreigners are, foreigners are going to help to rebuild it. So in clear details here, God's promise speaks of a day when mercy will replace wrath. Verse 11. For as, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong spot here. Didn't, I read the wrong verse in that minute ago, didn't I? Didn't I? Verse 11. Let me get to the... Didn't I? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay, let me get to 11. Okay, let me read 11. I was in verse chapter 61 there. Verse 11. Therefore, your gates shall be continually shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day or night that men may bring you to the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in procession. Zion's gates shall be open continually, Isaiah says, because the city is safe and because the doors must be open in order to accommodate for business. Then in verse 12, it says, For the nation and kingdom which will not serve you shall perish and those nations shall be utterly ruined. The nation and kingdom... Isaiah says, it doesn't serve Jerusalem, where Christ now reigns, will perish. And in the coming kingdom, there will be no opposition to the reign of Jesus Christ as Savior and King. Worship will come from every nation. And then verse 13, it says, the glory of Lebanon shall come to you. The cypress, the pine, and the box tree together to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place uh, of my feet glorious. Here, Isaiah says, the wood of the cypress, the pine, and the box tree, the finest wood from the forest of Lebanon, are going to be brought to rebuild Jerusalem. God says, to make my temple beautiful, to make my city glorious. And as the glory of Lebanon, with a, with a luxurious cypress, pine, and box trees, those glorified the first temple. They are going to beautify the temple again, mentioned in verses 5 through 7. And splendor is going to fill the sanctuary of God. 
Now, formerly, the place of the Lord's feet was the Ark of the Covenant, according to 1 Chronicles 28.2. Later, it's going to be, it was the temple, and then it's going to be the whole earth. Verse 14. Also, the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing down, and all those who despised you shall, shall fall prostrate at the soldier of your feet, and they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. The descendants, Isaiah says, of those who oppressed you, God's people will come and they're going to bow low to show you their respect. All who once despised you are going to worship at your feet and they're going to call you the city of the Lord, Zion, the city of Israel's holy God. Isaiah says, men that once despised Jerusalem are going to honor Jerusalem, approving of her as the eternal city. In verse 14, that beloved Zion, or Jerusalem, of the Holy One of Israel. Now, in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, Jesus spoke about this thing, this event. When the great tribulation is over, the Lord is going to gather the survivors of all the nations of the world, and he's going to separate them into two groups, the sheep and the goats. Now, the nations classified as sheep are going, to usher into, uh, are going to be ushered into the millennial kingdom. There's going to be a thousand years of peace and prosperity, and the ghosts will be sent into outer darkness. So who exactly are the sheep and the goats? What makes one a sheep or a goat is how people are going to treat uh, Israel during the tribulation, the great tribulation. Because when the Antichrist comes... He's going to persuade the, the, the nations to hate the Jews. But the nations who take care of Israel will be brought into the millennium. Verse 15. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations. And so God says, you're no longer going to be forsaken. You're not, no longer going to be a city that's, that's deserted and desolate. He says, I'm going to make you great and beautiful. I'm going to make you a place of joy forever. And the new sanctuary is going to be greater than the old one was. Why? Because it's eternal and it's rich and it's spiritual. As Isaiah said in chapter 2, Jerusalem will become the center of the earth. There will be a great deal of blessing that's going to come in that day. And even though nations would forsake Israel and they would be hostile toward her, God was going to get her through. God will see her through. It was a city that was once forsaken and hated and unvisited. But Isaiah says in the new day, in that new Jerusalem, the new, when the new earth comes, it says it won't be avoided anymore because it's been made, of, uh, again, the pride of all time. Verse 16 he goes on to say, You shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and milk the breast of kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. So Isaiah says in that day, Nations and kings will care for you like a mother nurses her child. You will know that I, the Lord, have saved you. That the mighty God of Israel sets you free. The nations serve Israel here because, and they enrich, they enrich Israel. It says, you shall drink the milk of the breasts of kings, which represents great wealth. And it demonstrates clearly that Isaiah was using figurative language or symbolic language. 
The riches of Jerusalem that were taken away by the nations are going to be restored back to Jerusalem with interest. Because, again, business will supply her needs and redemption will make her glorious. Verse 17. Instead of bronze, notice, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. And instead of stones, iron. I will also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. Isaiah says, I'm going to bring you gold instead of bronze. You know, in other words, God's going to bring them gold instead of bronze. He's going to bring them silver and bronze instead of iron and wood and iron instead of stone. He says, your rulers will no longer oppress you. He says, and I will make them rule with justice and peace. You see, the new temple will be made out of better, better than necessary materials like gold and silver and bronze and iron symbolizing its, its very great and lasting wealth. There will be peace and righteousness. Peace and righteousness are personified as officers and magistrates. In other words, he says, your magistrates or your judges, man, they're going to be righteous. And your officers, they will truly be peace officers. When Solomon was king and Israel was at a point, uh, the high point of his glory and power, it says Solomon made silver as common as rocks in Jerusalem. So in this statement here, That God would make their rocks like copper? It's again saying that God's glory and blessing will once again be on the nation and on the land as in the glory like it was in Solomon's reign when he was king. Today, there are a lot of items that are made of brass in that land today. The markets of Egypt and Lebanon, they sell a lot of brass items. But in that future day, this future day that Isaiah is prophesying about, He says, they're going to be replaced. Those things of bronze are going to be replaced by silver and gold objects for sale. In other words, precious metals will become common again. Now, notice some of the other wonderful things that are going to take place in that day. Notice verse 18. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Isaiah says, you're not going to hear the sounds of violence anymore. Destruction is not going to shatter your country again. God's saying, I'm going to protect and defend you like a wall and you will praise me because I have saved you. Can you imagine? Violence and crime will be unknown in this city. Can you imagine that today? No violence, no crime. Can you imagine what it would be like in a land where there's no violence? Where we wouldn't need to have any jails. Where women and children could walk around at night. And not being afraid of being attacked or molested. You wouldn't have to lock your doors or your windows. Where we'd all live according, we'd all live together according to the biblical principles of God's word. Biblical principles of loving one another, sharing with one another, and just living together in accordance to God's plan and God's will. No violence. Isaiah is telling us that this day is coming when violence will be unheard of in the land. I mean, think what an amazing thing it would be to live in a community like that. 
You know, when, when, you, when you're driving through a city or a state and you, and you enter a, a state or a, or a city, you know, there's these welcome signs. You are now entering and it'll say the city of, you know. But can you imagine in that day passing through the land? I don't know how we're going to be doing that. So I won't say by car or bus or whatever. But when we're passing through the new heavens and the new earth. I mean, some big old signs that say, welcome to salvation. <laughs> As you travel through. Instead of speed limit signs. You see, praise the Lord signs. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Whatever signs, you know. And again, just, you know... Uh, using the imagination, the billboards would, be, would all be exhorting you to just praise God, to thank God, to give him glory, to give glory to his wonderful name, the things that he's done. That day is coming. That's the prophecy here of Isaiah 16. That day is coming when God is going to reign over the earth. Verse 19. He goes on to say, the sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light and your God, your glory. Verses 19 and 20 form the basis for the description of the new Jerusalem in the new heaven and the new earth. In Revelation 21, 1, Revelation 21, 23 and Revelation 22, 5. And, and, we, and it reads, this, this verse here reads in the New Living Translation, No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night. Why? Because the Lord, your God, will be your everlasting light, <clears throat> and your God will be your glory. In Revelation twenty one twenty three, it reads, <clears throat> The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it. Why? Because the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb, Jesus Christ, is its light. Can you imagine? No sun, no moon. Jesus Christ is going to be the light. The glory of God. His presence will light up the place. Look at verses 20 through 22 now. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Also, your people shall be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand and a small one, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. He says, your days of grief are going to come to an end. I, the Lord, will be your eternal light. His light will be more lasting the sun than the sun. No, it will be more lasting than the moon. Your people will, will, will all do what is right. And they will possess the land forever. He said, I planted them. I made them. And I made them all and planted them to reveal my greatness to all. He said, even your smallest and humblest family will become as great as a powerful nation. And Isaiah says here, when the right time comes, God says, I will make this happen quickly because I am the Lord. In the new Jerusalem, Isaiah says, people shall all be righteous. Though the, the ex exiles, so the captives were back in the land, they looked to a new Jerusalem when Israel would inherit the land forever. God stakes his reputation on his promise. And as I said before, God's word will be fulfilled. 
God will fulfill it when the right time comes. And he won't need the people to be right or the circumstances to be just right. Because he will come suddenly to change the condition all over the world. From, from the, depressing, the depressing false ways of the world to salvation. To change the condition to Christ as our only Savior, as the final answer to all mankind. So in closing, in, in chapter 60, we've traveled through time. We've traveled to the future, still to, still to come to pass. We've seen in chapter 60 what the, chapter, uh, what the future is going to look like. But now, as we finish, we're back in our world today. What does all of this mean? Everything that we've just seen. The Bible says of Abraham in Romans 4, 20 through 22. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, that is what God had promised, God was able also to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him, that is Abraham, for righteousness. The gospel, the word of God, is showing us the future. It's showing us God's faithful promises and God saying to us, arise, shine, because your light has come. Don't be afraid. As if there was no future to look forward to. Believe in the gospel. Believe in the word of God without question or hesitation. And in your faith, you will grow strong as you give glory to God and new life will begin even now. And even in this world, with all of its demons and all of its ugliness and all of its perversion, violence, and antichrist spirit, and all of these things threaten to wipe us out, we don't have to be afraid. Because God has ordained his truth from the foundation of the world to be victorious through us, his church. So, so. Don't hang on to this world. Don't hang on to its possessions. Don't hang on to materialism and relationships over Jesus Christ. And don't hang on to this earth in exchange for the, uh, give it up for the world to come. Don't hang on to those things and give up the world that's to come. Don't hang on to those things that Jesus said might kill the body. But remember, God's truth is God's truth. It still abides And his kingdom is forever. Father, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. We thank you for your wondrous word. We thank you for your wonderful promises, Lord. We thank you for the Savior, our Savior. Father, we thank you for sending your Son to give us salvation, to give us hope, God, to give us a future and a hope, God. And Lord, may we continue to look up and to see that Again, our redemption is drawing nigh. We're just waiting for Christ to come and to take his church out of this world, Lord. That we may be with him for all eternity, Father. So, Lord, help us to be encouraged. Help us to hang on, God. Help us not to give in, to give up, but to arise and stand, Lord. Knowing that you're coming for us, Lord knowing that you're always faithful and true. And so, Lord, we give you honor, we give you glory, we thank you once again. 
And it's in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. All right.